Dr. Harris, and I'm opening the meeting of the Marin County Parks and Open Space Commission. And um, Dana, if you could call um, a roll call to see if we have a quorum of commissioners. Thank you. Commissioner Gerardo. Commissioner Harris. Present. Commissioner Kennings. Present. Commissioner O'Brien. Commissioner Rafel. Here. Commissioner Scrimmon. Present. Commissioner Stomp. Uh, Dana, it looks like Commissioner Stomp is in the um, participant and the attendees instead of the panelists. So okay, I'll move her over. Okay, thank you. Okay, welcome Commissioner Stomp. Uh, first order of business is the public comment. Public comments are limited to three minutes each and they have to be on a subject related to the commission but not on the agenda. And do we have any public comments, either by email or through um, the Zoom mechanism. I don't see any comments. Does anybody see any comments? Um, hearing none and seeing none, we'll go on to the third item. Hold on one sec. I see, I think there was a hand raised, Dana, okay. for Linda Novi. Oh, very good. Thank you for hands lowered again, but I'll... Oh. Linda, if you wanted to speak, you are now allowed to speak. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I want to talk to the commission on behalf of Marin Conservation League. So do I get five minutes? I think I'm afraid we... it's a three minute. I'll do I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> two subjects. The first one is a recent presentation that was made at the Marin Conservation League's Parks and Open Space Committee. Basically, um, we are concerned about the vegetation management in Cascade Canyon Preserve. Uh, excuse me, that, that's an agenda item. And if, um, if, you, don't, if you don't mind, we could um, take that up on the agenda. Is it? I thought the bridges was an agenda item. This is about vegetation management. Max, could you clarify that? Well, there, there's the there's three informational items. One is on the Cascade uh, Canyon project. Another one's on um, the Rush Creek Road and Trail project, and then another one's our vegetation on our vegetation work. Then I can bring that up at that point. Then I have one other point. So you have more time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Let's start the three minutes for right now. <laughs> okay. I just have one other point, which is um, you may have uh, read about the recent accident in the Indian Valley Preserve. And MCL would like to point out the need for park staff uh, to work to control speed and behaviors of mountain bikes in the preserves. The recent accident was on a fire road in the Indian Valley Preserve and it was avoidable. The two bike riders also did not leave their names and take responsibility for their behavior that endangered other people, equestrians in this case. Thank you. Thank you very much for those comments. Um, are there any other public comments? Anybody see any? I, I don't see any. Um, if so, there we'll go. There is one more hand raised. Is there one more hand raised? Yes. Oh, yes. Tom, Tom Boss, please. 
Um, it says that he's not allowed to speak because he's on an older version of Zoom. So I'm going to promote him to a panelist to speak right now. Hold on, Tom. Tom, you should be able to speak. Okay, can you hear me? If can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, I just wanted to say that the uh, the the um, the incident that happened at Indian Valley was very unfortunate. Uh, our hearts go out to the rider, and we hope uh, for a speedy recovery and that she feels comfortable to get back on a horse. I, I did want to push back a little bit on the on the narrative that's been presented that these bicyclists seem to have fleed the scene or didn't leave their information. Um, the reports that I've seen indicate that the cyclist stayed until the situation was under control. And, uh, and it's not clear why they didn't leave their names. Maybe they weren't asked to leave their names. So I just, um, you know, I think I just want to point that out because it's uh, the information. A lot of what we're hearing about the situation is purely anecdotal. Um, it's unfortunate, uh, but I just want to point that out. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for your comment. And it looks like we have a full commission right now. Some of the other commissions just joined us. Um, any other items for public comment? Um, I don't see or hear any. So we'll go on to the director's report. Uh, Max, Director Corden, if you could give us a report, please. Thank you, Commissioners Max Court and Director of Marin County Parks. And um, just, you know, also want to acknowledge the comments uh, um, from uh, Lynn Novi and Tom Boss and acknowledge the incident in Indian Valley. And um, of course, every time there's an incident where someone's injured in one of our parks or preserves, our team takes it very seriously and we try to look at you know, what kind of lessons we can learn from it and how we can do our best to keep uh, our community safe. Um, and I, I, I wanna really call out and thank, especially our partners from the Slow and Say Hello campaign. That's a partnership with uh, Marin Conservation League, Marin County Bicycle Coalition and the Marin Horse Council um, who have really worked together to um, help get the word out about how to be, um, you know, uh, how the community can be share these roads, fire roads and trails in a safe, respectful manner. And um, that's extremely important. Uh, and also a huge thanks to our rangers and our volunteers who really help to um, provide information to the public and, and um, encourage uh, um, thoughtful um, use of and visitation to our open spaces and parks. Um, you know, I think the, that partnership and that communication is especially important um, for what I'm about to talk to you about. So, uh, you know, our the county has been working on um, trying to vaccinate our community for COVID-19 to help keep our community safe and get um, our community back to work and, and back to school and doing all the things that we love to do. Uh, and, um, Right now, the county is vaccinating a little over a thousand people per day at um, mainly at the civic center that we're just opening another um, site for, for vaccinations. But uh, our goal is to vaccinate um, uh, everyone in the county by June. And to do that, we have to vaccinate, I think about 6,000 people every single day. 
until June. And uh, our uh, everyone in the county is being asked to step up to be part of that. And so one, one thing that that's gonna mean for parks is that we're gonna take our operations crew for parks and open space down to basically a skeleton crew to just keep the parks and open space uh, open sort of at the, the bare minimum level for staffing. And we're gonna reassign for probably the next several months um, our staff, a, a large number of our staff to support the vaccination uh, distribution sites. And um, we're all gonna help out. I'm gonna take shifts. Chris is gonna take shifts. Our rangers are gonna take a lot of shifts. We're, you know, this is, it's a really important time where um, we all need to help out to, um, to help our community. And, but it's gonna mean our community also helping out to be good stewards of our parks and open spaces and respectful and safe and helpful to each other. And so we're gonna be putting out messaging to our community, asking them to um, be good stewards um, of our parks and preserves at this time so that they can allow us to help out with vaccinations. <clears throat> we're gonna prioritize some of our really key work, especially around vegetation management, knowing that we're probably gonna have another bad fire season uh, this year. So there's some areas where we're not gonna reduce any staffing um, because that work is, is so critical, but in other areas we will. Um, and lastly, I just wanna uh, mention, you know, today there's a number of items we're gonna dive into our road and trail uh, work plan and our vegetation management work plan and uh, how important this commission is, you all as commissioners are and the community that attends these commission meetings are in terms of, um, you know, with our board, we often don't get to dive in in such great detail. And so it's really helpful to hear the feedback from your commission, from the community uh, in these meetings to help guide our work. And that's all I have. I'm not able to hear yeah. you. Yeah, Roger, I think you're muted or something. No, we don't have you. Still not coming through. <clears throat> Dana, do you have any ideas? Can you hear me now? There yep. you are. Oh, there you are. Great. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, that is a computer glitch. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just January and time to re-elect um, the officers for the commission. We have three positions open, the chair, vice chair, and, and second second chair. And um, hey, Roger, I'm sorry to stop you, um, but uh, I think for every item, including the director's part, we have to just allow the public to comment if there's public comment. Absolutely. Um, Sorry. So on the, on the uh, director's report, um, is there any public comment? Hearing none, I'll ask for- There is one hand raised by Linda. I'll allow her to speak right now. Yes, please. Thank you, um, Max, thanks for that report. So. Are you saying that from now until or through June, um, how, may, how much enforcement is there gonna be out in our preserves? 
Yeah, that's the only comment I can just answer that now. I mean, I think our we have two contract deputies who will continue being in our preserves and we'll continue having our supervising rangers, um, uh, probably at least one supervising ranger on, um, but probably all of the rest of our visitor services rangers will be mostly uh, serving our vaccination sites uh, in the county. So, it, you know, the preserves, all of our parks, you know, we're, we're, we're likely not going to, um, we're not going to process permits and we won't have like our fields prep for um, sports. We probably won't be reopening the, the pool at, at McNear's uh, this summer. There's probably going to be a, a number of ways that this will impact um, activities, but um, you know, I think it's, it, you know, it's a sacrifice that Unfortunately, I think we're going to need to make to be able to support getting our community vaccinated as quickly as possible. Any comment? Can you hear me? First of all, you can hear me. That's good. And, and let's see. I don't see any other public comment, but I do see commissioners. So I'm Commissioner Scriven. Yeah, one question for Max. Uh, during our last meeting, we talked about when Measure A was going to be up for renewal, and there was a little confusion. Uh, initially, it was talked about being in November of 2022, and then I think it was Bill, uh, actually, um, someone else said it was going to be June of 2022. And I was just wondering if you have clarity for that. Thanks. Yeah, it's, I think. Uh, you know, obviously it's not, nothing's for sure until our, our board approves it, but um, what we're uh, um, considering at this point is June of 2022. Actually, um, Bruce was correct. I did check in Sacramento and the election in 2022 is March and November. What was the first part of what you said? I, I, I put it in a big frame. Bruce was correct. Yay. <laughs> Roger, you lost sound again there. Still can't hear you. How's that? Good. Good. We can hear you now. I think the, I think the uh, headsets are <laughs> not working right. I'm sorry about that. We can now go on to the election <laughs> of offices finally, um, and I'll open the um, nominations for the um, commission chair. And I, I'd like to um, nominate the individual that is been on this um, commission for the longest period of time without being a chair. Um, and, and that is uh, Bruce uh, Scriven, who is very, very qualified as all my other um, colleagues are. And I'll open that up to any other nominations for the um, chair position. Clarification, you said Bruce Scriven. <laughs> I say Bruce Screaming. I'm in a dentist screaming. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> that is a bit of a bit of I was going to share with Bruce. <laughs> yeah. 
Hearing none. Um, we need a second. We need a second. I'll second it. Okay. Any other um, nom nominations? Okay, hearing no other nominations, I'll call for uh, A's and if you could raise your hand. And, and um, nays. And I think that's the whole um, commission. So the next office is the vice chair. Open that up for nominations for vice chair. I nominate Oscar. I second it. Okay. Any other nominations? Is, is Oscar here now? Could you please repeat the, who seconded it? Bruce, I did. it will yeah. help if you can repeat who made the motion and who seconded it. Uh, Bruce made it, Dennis seconded. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any other nominations? Hearing no other nominations, I'll call for the vote. All in mm -hmm. favor, A. Raise your hand. And any opposed? And that passes. And now we have um, nomination for the second chair. Um, may I have any nominations for the second chair? I nominate Mary. Uh, Mary second. Mary, that's for, for second, and you accept. Um, any other nominations? Callie, that's Bruce and Pat. Thank you. Okay, I'll call for the vote. Oh, um, signify approval, but raise your hand. Hey, once again, we have an anonymous, a unanimous. Actually, would you please, because it's a recording, we need a roll call. Okay, we haven't done a roll call for the other two. Would you? Um, Might I recommend, Commissioner uh, Harris, that we just, we now have a slate and we just take a collective roll call on the slate of, of uh, commissioners? Agreed. Agreed. One vote. Thank, thank you for, for that recommendation. Dana, could you give us a, a call for a roll call? Yep. Commissioner Gerardo? Commissioner Harris? A. Commissioner Kennings? Yes. Commissioner O'Brien? Yes. Commissioner Rafel? Aye. Commissioner Scrimmon? Yes. Commissioner Stomp? Are we, are we completed with that? Kaylee, do you have all that information now? Yes, I got all that. Okay, very good. Well, congratulations to the new officers. That term begins at the end of this commission meeting. And our next item is the approval of the minutes for the meeting held on November 19. Move approval is distributed. Pat, can you repeat that, please? Move approval is distributed. Okay. Um, second? Um, all in favor, aye. 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 We're done with that. And the next item is the selection of two commission representatives to serve on the ninth year of the Measure A Community Oversight Committee. This is our action item. So we need to select two members. Um, could someone tell me who the present members are 
on that. Yeah, team. currently it is uh, Commissioner Stomp and Commissioner Kinnings, and there is a two-year term limit on those. And for clarification, there are two two meetings per year um, that are part of the Measure A Community Oversight. Uh, and I believe Commissioner Stomp has served on this for a single year, um, so she is eligible for a second year. And then Commissioner Kinnings, I believe, was this your first year or your second? I can't recall. First. First. Okay, so both are eligible to continue the assignment if that's the, the direction of the commission. So in, in this case, I think we should really ask the individuals if they're um, the two commissioners that are on the, the Measure A Commission, if they want to continue or they would like to step down. So uh, Commissioner Stomp, yes, you'd like to continue? And Commissioner Kennings? Yes, I'd like to continue also. And move approval. Move approval and we have a sec, do, do we need to vote on that? Or is that just a-, a, a Yes. A, okay, so we need a second on that? Yeah, I second. Um, and then we'll vote to approve the continuation of the two commissioners. All in favor, please indicate by raising your hand. Um, Should we do a roll call? Yeah. Because of the audio. Okay, let's. So, Dana, if you could please do a roll call. Commissioner Gerardo. Commissioner Present. Here. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, and I'm experiencing some, my internet has been unstable, and I'm so sorry, guys. This is like the first time I experienced this, but this is weird for me. So, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if it me out, but I don't know. No problem, Oscar. We can hear you. Commissioner Harris? Yes. Commissioner Kennings? Yes. Commissioner O'Brien? Yes. Commissioner Rafel? Yes. Commissioner Scrimmon? Yes. Commissioner Stomp? For some reason, we're not getting Mary's audio, Commissioner Stomp's audio. We may just need a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay. Okay. That was a thumbs up. For the record, that was a thumbs up. Okay, so we have a roll call and a thumbs up. Um, and now we're on to item number seven, which is the update of the proposed Rush Creek Open Space Preserve Growing Trail Improvement Project. This is an information item, and I think Director Gordon will kick that off. Yeah, I'll give a quick intro and then I'm gonna hand it over to uh, John Campo. But I uh, just to start with, this is one of two items that we have today that are about road and trail projects that where we are um, in the near future going to release the environmental document, the CEQA document for the trail project. And so we thought that was an important time to bring these projects uh, to your commission um, for a little more information and feedback. And, uh, and I just want to mention with this project that uh, John Campo has been you know, working with our community and community organizations um, uh, and our team on this for uh, quite a while. And that, you know, this is the result of a lot of input and, and hard work. And so a huge appreciation to John and all of our partners for uh, their work on this. Go ahead, John. Yeah, thanks, Max. And thanks uh, to the commission for allowing me to present on these two projects. Uh, I have item seven and eight, and the first one, item seven is Rush Creek. So I'm going to go.
go ahead and share my screen. I just want to confirm that you folks can all see that okay? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so I, I think I've been to the commission before. It's probably a couple of years back to first talk about this in, in one of the work plans. And now that we've further developed it, I wanted to give you, um, you know, a status update on where we are. So this is the east side of Rush Creek. And this is the project area that we've been looking at for a few years now. And so just to kind of walk through the project history with you, um, this was first identified in 2017 in the Region 4 RTMP designation meeting. And then over the next few years, we had extensive stakeholder engagement um, to talk about the project and develop the project. And then in the past um, couple of years, we've been working on the environmental review document, the CEQA document, and further refining that project. And we're getting, as Max mentioned, we're getting ready to release the doc document to the public um, probably in the early spring. And if this project, this proposed project is approved, we would hope to implement later this summer. And so what is the project and why? So this is the purpose of the project. Um, we are um, aiming to reduce the environmental impacts on the existing trail system create a sustainable trail network, uh, improve the visitor experience for all trail users and create an equestrian designated trail connection to the horse arena. And so let me just back up and show you this slide here again. So here's the equestrian center, center here. It's adjacent to the preserve, but there's no designated connection. So that was a big part of the uh, project purpose. And so to inform that conversation, we took a deep dive as we always do in our RTMP projects and the resources. So we did an extensive vegetation assessment and what this provided us with was, um, you know, a detailed mosaic of vegetation communities on the project area. In this teal section right here, um, this is a representative of Blue Oak Forest, which this particular Blue Oak stand is arguably the largest uh, that we have in our preserve system. So that was important to recognize, important to our stakeholders um, in the, the Native American tribes as one of those important stakeholders. We also did uh, wildlife assessments and um, acknowledged that, you know, again, here's the project area here. Um, there's significant habitat around the preserve, which is this, this marsh wetland in here which is home to um, sensitive birds such as the Ridgeway rail and the black rail. Um, and in this upland section, there was numerous other wildlife species birds um, that we acknowledged in the report. And you know, that helped inform the project in regards to how we thought about the planning, um, how we modified the plans, the, the alignments to minimize trail impacts to the open space as much as possible. And I, I, mean, I would add that the, where we landed on our preferred alignment um, does not require the removal of any mature trees in the preserve. And so, so the stakeholder discussions um, were informed by these data sets. Um, and I think you know a lot of these folks. Um, the Environmental Roundtable has been a very successful stakeholder group that we've meet, been meeting with for 
over three years now, I guess. Um, and we've done a couple site visits with that community to this preserve about this project. Uh, we've had uh, office meetings. It's been on the agenda almost every meeting that the roundtable has met. And we've talked about it extensively in regards to, you know, various alignments and which one would minimize impacts um, and what made the most sense that we collectively agreed upon. And so these are the kind of the, the main themes of those discussions. Um, again, reducing the environmental impacts, improving visitor access, acknowledging the wetland habitat, um, the importance of the blue oak forest, protecting the cultural natural resources and maintaining emergency vehicle access. Um, this proposed project does remove a fire road. Um, and before we included that in the plans, uh, the first call was to the Novato Fire Department to make sure that was consistent with, um, with their planning efforts. And they assured us that that road had no strategic value. It's redundant to another road. And I'll show you that in, in the coming slides. And so this is a, um, well, here it is right here that I could point to. So this is the Iron Gate Fire Road, and this is the fire road that we would propose for decommission. And that's acceptable to the fire department because they have this road, which is really the road they would take anyways. Um, but I wanted to show you this map as, this is what we show to the public right now. So if you are going to visit Rush Creek and you look at our website, this is the trail road system that you see. And, and I would note again, it does not show a connection to the equestrian center. And there's also no connection from this Ridge Road here, Bahia Ridge Road to the Bahia Trail. There's no connections there. And so this, <clears throat> I wanted to show you this is, this is what's actually out there. These red lines are um, undesignated trails, uh, social trails, illegal trails, whatever you want to call them. They're, they're really representative of the desired connection. So, you know, here's the equestrian center. And obviously um, when people go for a ride, they access the preserve. And so they're typically going straight up. So we wanted to provide some designated sustainable connection there. Um, and then again, there's multiple connections that connect the Bahia Trail to this Ridge Road. So how can we make that connection while minimizing the, the resource impacts and not having you know, so many trails? And so this is what we landed on through multiple um, discussions, you know, about two years of discussions really. And I'm just gonna walk through what this means. Um, so this white line here, this is the equestrian access that we're proposing. And so it takes a section, this segment right here of the Iron Gate Fire Road and would abandon that and restore the habitat. It would take the upper segment of the Iron Gate Fire Road and convert that to a trail. And then it would realign a section of trail that would be open for multi-use, equestrians, hikers, and cyclists out to the road. Now this connection here that comes over to the equestrian center, that would be just for hikers and equestrians. Um, and there would probably be some notification along that trail that, that ends out on private property. So we don't wanna encourage people to go that way. Um, this blue line is the Blue Oak Trail. So this replaces an old Jeep road um, at a more sustainable grade. Um, and you know, recognizing the character of the Bahia Trail here 
it's very um, gentle grades. Uh, it's popular with senior groups. Um, it's, and so this Blue Oak Trail would be consistent with that. It would be, you know, good sight lines and, you know, kind of a meandering, comfortable, comfortable walking trail. This would be multi-use as well. So this would be open to equestrians, um, cyclists, and hikers. And then finally, this orange line here, this one would be upgraded um, in its existing location. So we would not realign it, but it would be upgraded to a hiking only trail. So now I'm just gonna walk through some photos of each of these. So this is that orange one I was just talking about. This is on the edge of the uh, preserve. This would be, um, have minor upgrades to make it into a hiking only trail. And this is that blue oak trail that kind of goes through the middle, the, the blue line I showed you. Um, this would have more significant realignments to upgrade it to a multi-use trail and decommission, abandon the old Jeep road that goes through the middle. And then moving back to that white line I showed you earlier, this is the segment of Iron Gate Fire Road that we would propose to decommission, restore the habitat. And this is the upper segment of the Iron Gate Fire Road that we would narrow down from a road to a trail width. So this would go from about 12 feet to about four feet wide. And again, this would be for um, multi-use. And then finally, the last piece would be connecting to the equestrian center. So this would be a hiking um, and equestrian trail only, and it would provide a, a sustainable access to that equestrian center. And so the next steps for this project, if it's the proposed project, if it's, a, um, well, it would be for us to release the CEQA document, which we hope to have in early spring. And then, like I said, if, if the project is approved, we would um, look to implement sometime later this year. That's it for that presentation. Um, I expect that we would take comments now right. before we move so, on to the section, the cascade. Let's, let's do that, John. So are there any public comments on this? Um, I see Linda Novi, please. Oh, is that is your hand? I see Linda Novi's hand up. Is that for this item? Linda, you're now allowed to speak. Yes, um, John. Thank you for that. Those, those look like good improvements. I just had a question on the road to trail conversions from a road to a multi-use trail. Um, will the going from twelve feet to four feet? Looking at the slides, and I've written out there, are most of these areas where there's a place to step your horse off the trail or for bikes to step off? Because that's an issue on a lot of um, multi-use trails. So that's one question I have. Do you want me to go ahead and respond to that now? Or? Sure. I think, well, yeah, we got to wait until we receive the rest of the, if there's any additional public comments before we respond. And, and additionally, I think the idea is to give the entire comment and then, because we, we're not really allowed to enter into a back and forth on something. Okay, are there, are there any other public comments? We have one. Uh, Nona Dennis, please. Nona, you're now allowed to speak. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I uh, I guess I have had a slight misconception about the 
rerouting of the iron, was it iron gate? I, I forgot, no, iron gate, iron, iron, uh, trail. Uh, I see that a very small segment of that is limited to equestrians and the rest of it is multi-use. I also am familiar with that route and it's a descent. Um, I'm always worried about descending trails uh, generally, the trails uh, work pretty well. The, the multi-use in Rush Creek works pretty well. I've been on most of the trails when bikes have come along and there are no significant gradients. So they're generally, uh, they're not riding very fast. Uh, it's a good place for families, young kids on bikes and so forth. I am concerned, however, I had not realized that that trail descending from Bahia Ridge Fire Road down to near Nevada Horseman's facilities was going to be multi-use. And uh, I think we're gonna to have to monitor that really closely to see whether <clears throat> the bikes using that segment can control their, themselves coming down that, uh, that alignment. It's a pretty good descent and horses going up are going to be confronted. So I echo Linda's concern about passing space. Uh, we, we don't see a lot of passing space in the new uh, Ponte a ridge trail, uh, even though it's multi-use. <clears throat> so that is a concern as it's constructed. It's got to have plenty of space. There are a lot of, there's a lot of horse use of uh, Rush Creek Preserve. Thank you. Um, is there any other public comment? Um, I'm not seeing any other public comment. Um, John, do you want to respond to that or? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, you know, Linda, I actually misspoke. I said four feet. When we construct a trail like this, it would be five feet wide, which is consistent with um, the way we've done other trails, like the Horse Hill Trail. Um, you know, and, I, and I've had, um, this is, I guess, to Nona and Linda's question. I've met with the folks at the Equestrian Center um, twice. I've attended their um, their board meetings and we've discussed different plans. Um, we discussed um, the multi-use aspect of the trails. They actually, they didn't express any concern about that. Um, they've acknowledged that all the trails at Rush Creek are multi-use now and they, they don't feel like that's a concern for them. Um, and I also would add that with Rush Creek, the habitat's very different where it's a you know oak woodland that has really good sight lines. Um, from one of those photos I, I showed earlier, you can you can pretty much see there's no lower limb, so you can see you have a clear line of sight. Um, so that didn't seem too concerning to them. But I will make a note that you know when we're thinking about the details of it to ensure that passing areas are part of that equation. Um, when we narrow a road down to, you know, from 12 feet wide to five feet in the photo that I showed, it, it really, it really is saying we're maintaining it at five feet and it just kind of grows in. So that flat area would still be available to pass. Um, I'm, I'm, but I'm happy to talk to you more offline about this too, as we still are interested in hearing that feedback. Okay, th thank you. Any uh, commissioner comments? Bruce. I have two questions. Um, I, know uh, I know these are not 
jurisdictionally in the same area, but um, over the course of the last couple of years, I believe the Audubon Society bought the adjoining wetlands area, correct? Yes, yeah. So is there any, is there any, um, I don't know what the right word is, do you work with those guys or is there any meshing? Constantly. Doing with the Audubon Society and, and can you tell me what that is, number one? And number two, um, the area is popular with people who are bird watchers. And do you, do you, I, I don't know that there's any signage at the moment out there for people who are bird watchers. And I don't even know if that's possible, but um, maybe along the way where you've identified places where it's easy to spot birds, there could be some kind of signage about what it is you're seeing. Yeah, um, to the first part of that question, we work with Audubon um, consistently. Um, they're a, a very important member of the Environmental Roundtable. Um, and we've talked with Audubon extensively about this project and continue to. Um, they, you know, the wetland habitat is very significant for the, the rail species that are present there. Um, there's also salt marsh harvest mouse. Um, this project doesn't impact the wetlands. Actually, it has some benefits as part of those discussions with Audubon. We included um, trying to sever some of those undesignated trails that take people out to the wetlands. So we mm -hmm. want to discourage that access to the wetlands um, so that we recognize that. But this is more in the upland habitat. Um, and then the other part of your question on bird watching, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a conversation about uh, with staff and, and actually with the environmental roundtable about enhancing wildlife viewing areas, um, like possibly looking at that levee trail and, you know, talking about, you know, uh, a boardwalk with possible wildlife viewing platform with spotting scopes and whatnot. We had that conversation. We decided nobody was ready for that yet. Um, Audubon was not a proponent of that. So we backed off from that. But, you know, that is something we would consider, um, we would think about. I'd, I'd be an advocate for that. I think it would to very much enhance, enhance what you're seeing, especially if you at some point begin to take, if you improve the roads and the access, you'll at some point begin to take children out there. Um, and, you know, it would be good for if the teacher's taking them out to have some help with, for the teacher about what it is exactly that they're seeing. Yeah, anyway, it's, it's, that's, no, that's it's true. Comment. It's a very important birding area and we do want to look to ways to celebrate that. Um, Commissioner Stout? Mary? I think that Mary's having trouble with her audio. We can't hear you. I can't see that either. <laughs> she said any... something is in the chat. She'll put it in the chat. Okay, oh, I oh, can hear you now. Okay, so there's in the chat. Um, um, not seeing she it, said but... she'll put, I don't think she has yet. Okay. Um, well, while we wait for that, any other commissioner comments? Yes, um, Pat, please. 
Thank you, uh, Commissioner Harris. Uh, I I want to thank John. You just did an excellent presentation and clarification of what the projects are going to be. Um, and I think implicit in what you were saying was enhancing the visitor experience. And uh, I, I think you did speak somewhat to that. And uh, what Bruce talked about was the education component also, which I definitely endorse. So, you know, as we get along, uh, having appropriate education signage, I think would be very, uh, very good enhancement for the visitor experience. I do like how you've protected the natural habitat and the uh, vegetation habitat and made some improvements there, uh, especially with the with the uh, the blue uh, trees. I, I think that's great. Um, and uh, certainly, people are going to be curious about the uh, wetlands. So, at some point in time, some ability some education area where, where the wetlands can be viewed, but not in, you know, intruded upon. Some, some uh, valuation of that would be, I think, very appropriate. Right. Thank you. Okay, any other commissioner comments, please? Um, I, I, I had a few things, John, so thank you for the excellent presentation. Can you read, can you read Mary's question? Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I, can read it. I can read it out loud here. Oh, uh, so she wrote, the trail around the marsh is stopped by water, so you can't do the full loop. Part is a social trail. Can you do something about that? I was out there a few days ago and couldn't do the loop. How do we deal with the issue of horse versus dog excrement? This was recently a very large discussion on Nextdoor. It's difficult... Uh, to walk in some areas that have trails that are narrow when there's a lot of horse excrement blocking the trail. So well, maybe, maybe I John, could talk you... to the first one. Uh -huh. um, so Mary, the, the, you know, we've, we've had a lot of conversations about that levee trail. That is not part of this particular project. Um, that's on the other side of the preserve by Cemetery Marsh. Yeah, it, you know where it is. And um, right, there's about a 25 foot gap that you can't cross. And so you can't do the loop. That was the area that we met with the environmental community. We talked about different scenarios, possibly a boardwalk, possibly enhancing for wildlife viewing a platform. And then we all started to peel back from it with the recognition that sea level rise may just undermine all those efforts. Um, so, we, we haven't gone further with that. Um, the way that trail stands now is it's an out and back. Um, we don't have the ability to build a bridge because we wouldn't be able to get a permit because it's all within a hundred year floodplain and with sea level rising, I think it would be very difficult to permit something like that. So that's where that stands right now. Not to say we wouldn't be open to exploring other ideas on that. Um, the second part of the question about horse dog excrement. I, I can know. mention, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, I don't know that we've delved so much into the horse excrement issue. I, it, you know, it comes up less frequently than, than the dog issue, which comes up quite a bit from visitors. And we have launched a, um, 
we've been improving our, our um, landscape architect and projects team along with our rangers have been working on improving all of our dogway stations. So over the last several years, we've added a lot of dogway stations at popular trailheads. And, um, and then in the last few months or year, we've been improving those to have you know, better signage and uh, more accessible, better functioning trash cans for putting dog excrement and trying to make it as easy as possible and as visible. And additionally, we have implemented this campaign both on social media and through our signage on our trails about um, dog poop. So, uh, and maybe we can come back to your board and, and or to your commission and highlight that it's, it's kind of meant to be a little bit fun and uh, funny uh, and um, uh, trying to encourage people to do the right thing. And the horse, yeah, the horse excrement, I don't know that we've really uh, done much work about it, but happy to touch base with our team and think about, and probably the horse community to think about what we might consider there. Thank you. Um, any other commissioner comments? Um, I, I have a few, John. Um, uh, on, uh, just starting on, on horse poo, um, when, when and if we get back to that, uh, I, I think one of the questions that we might want to ask is whether um, it's a, a, a vehicle for bringing in exotic weed seeds um, and whether that's, a, that's an issue, a park planning issue. Um, now that the North Levy Trail um, is mentioned, uh, I'll just comment that this is one of the places I, I like to jog on uh, that Bush uh, Creek Preserve it in general. Um, but I, I think that's a trail that maybe it should be considered for retirement. It's through a fairly sensitive area and, um, and partly because it, it, it dead ends. Um, there's social trails being developed around there that further impacts the, the habitat. So it, it's, it's, it's probably something that maybe um, that, that it could be addressed, at least the signs. And the signs right now say, um, the North Levy Trail is often closed due to tidal flooding and does not provide thorough access to, at these times. In fact, it's, that's all the time. Um, and so it's a, it's a little um, misleading. And may, may, I don't know if it's possible at this point to just change the signage and just indicate that it's it's not a through trail, um, but without any further um, planning going into that. Um, the, the other comment that I wanted to make about the preserve is that um, I, I've noticed an increased amount of e-bike use on, on the trail, unauthorized e-bike use. Um, and at, at one point I was on them the uh, North Ridge Fire Road in the descending portion, and I actually had to had to hide behind a, a tree because uh, two e-bikes were just careening down the trail completely out of control, um, and I, I felt quite unsafe by the situation and, and really had to get it out of the way. So that's that's an enforcement issue, but I'm, I'm sure you're you're getting other comments to those to that effect as well. So those are, those are my two cents. Okay, thank you. 
do, do you uh, care to comment or respond to any of those? Well, the, um, the first one on the levee trail, you know, we actually had that same discussion um, about whether or not we enhance it with a boardwalk, a wildlife viewing platform, or go the other direction completely and retire it and, you know, and pull it off the maps and not show it. And if you want to go out there, you can, but it's, it's not, it's no longer a designated trail. It does seem like that's the direction we're going to go because with, again, with sea level rise, the cost of trying to develop that would be very expensive. And there's the, the resource protection aspect of maybe humans don't need to go out there at all. Um, so that's kind of more where we're leaning on that. Um, in regards to e-bikes, you know, this project does not really talk specifically about that. It's more about um, the trails and trail designation. And so e-bikes are not um, legal on our preserve system. So this project wouldn't look at that at all. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think in terms of e-bikes, you know, um, you know, I appreciate that feedback. And I think our rangers are always sort of working to try to understand, you know, what issues are, you know, emerging and where those issues are taking place and, you know, what times and how they can be most effective to um, contact, you know, visitors uh, and, and address issues. And so, and I think, you know, they're, they're tasked with, you know, whatever kind of activity, you know, obviously the one that we see the most of non-compliances around dogs, but, you know, additionally, um, some of the bike use and things like that also are, you know, the sort of the next highest level of, uh, you know, non-compliance that gets addressed by the rangers. Um, and, uh, and of course, whenever they see it, they address it. And, and um, but I think, you know, each of our, we're also watching closely as our land management partners, our one tan partners like the water district and national parks and state parks look at at their um, the way that they're addressing uh, e-bikes to you know learn from uh, their all of all of their um, research and um, and and conversations with the community and Ari Golan our, one of our superintendents has been you know our lead and of course we've um, your commission was really instrumental in, you know, helping us um, understand what the best path forward was to recommend to our board around allowing e-bikes and multi-use paths. And we look forward to continuing to engage your commission on uh, e-bike issues and other code related issues. Thank you, Max. And on the issue of signage for that North Levy Trail, um, is it possible without doing another study just to make the sign accurate that the North um, Levy Trail is a cul-de-sac and not a, a through trail? Yeah, we, we've had a lot of conversations about that and, and we are working on it. So we hope to clarify that. I'm gonna, you know, it's been a little while since I've been out there myself, but I think the next family hike will be out there to check it out. Okay, good, thank you. So any other commission comments? Uh, seeing, hearing and seeing none. We're on to item number eight, which is updated the proposed Cascade Canyon Open Space Preserve Road and Trail Improvement Project information item. And uh, Max, do you want to kick that off? Sure. Thanks, 
commissioners and the um, yeah, this project has been in the planning process for even longer than the Rush Creek uh, proposed project. And, um, you know, I think in 2016 or 17, I think John will go through in a slideshow sort of the history, but um, we've, I, I think we've presented to your commission probably several years ago about this project. And it's also gone through the approval of a memorandum of understanding with the town of Fairfax and, and a number of other sort of processes along the way. And we're, we're just to the point again of, of um, being almost ready to release the environmental document. We'll also have a public meeting uh, in the middle of the comment period for the CEQA document. But again, wanted this opportunity to present this in detail to your commission to get feedback. John, I'll turn it over to you. Yep, and I'm sharing my screen. And okay, you guys seeing that okay? Okay, so um, now switching gears to Cascade Canyon. So this um, is a project location map. So we're talking about a pro proposed project down at the entrance to Cascade Canyon at the end of Cascade Drive. So this is the site. And to give you some uh, background on the project history, like Max said, this has been going on actually since before I've been with the district, um, but it, we can really pick it up in 2016 when the first project public proposal from uh, Marin County Bike Coalition and the Friends of Cordomanera Creek. It was a joint public proposal um, proposing to pla uh, place two bridges. Um, from there, um, there, the next three years, 2016 to 19, there was a lot of stakeholder engagement and project planning. Um, some of the significant moments, 2016, we had a town of Fairfax um, meeting and um, the town of Fairfax approved the MOU with Marin County Parks to, to move forward with the project in the Elliott Nature Preserve, which is the, where the project is within Cascade Canyon. And then in 2017, we had a community meeting at the Fairfax Women's Club. Um, it was well attended. We had a um, representative from NOAA, Dan Logan, a fisheries biologist present and discuss the, some of the benefits and value of the project for the, for the trout and uh, steelhead um, in Cascade Canyon and downstream. Uh, 2019 to 20, we worked on the CEQA document and continued with the plan design refinement. And then, uh, as Max mentioned, coming up on March 4th, we are planning a, a community Zoom meeting. Uh, we haven't created the link yet. Once we get that link set, we will send it out to the public. And that will be um, similar to this, a presentation and a Q&A, and will coincide with the CEQA comment period so people can make comments. So the purpose of the project. Um, so as it is today, if you wanna visit Cascade Canyon and get to the interior of the preserve uh, in, a, in the rainy season, you have to cross San Anselmo Creek twice. Uh, there's really, or you take the high water trail, which is this trail here. Um, you know, the high water trail is, if you've been out there, it's erosive, it's not the safest trail, and it continues to deposit sediment into the creek. So some of the goals here, the purpose, uh, remove recreation from the creek, 
Um, the bridges would allow visitors to cross bridge one and then up the trail and then bridge two without going through the creek. Um, so it enhanced the visitor experience and furthermore reduced the environmental impacts uh, that the trails have on the watershed. Um, so in 2018, we've recently discovered foothill yellow-legged frogs in Cascade Canyon. Um, we actually didn't know they were there. They're a list, federally listed species and they use um, this portion of the canyon. So it's a, it was kind of an added benefit to this project to further protect the frogs. Um, there's additionally, there's um, steelhead trout in Corte Madera Creek watershed. We don't have any documentation of steelhead in Cascade Canyon, but we do have documentation of rainbow trout, which is the same genetic um, material or makeup as a steelhead. It just lacks the ability to travel to the ocean and back to become a mature steelhead. That's a situation where there's fish barriers downstream, which does not allow the rainbow trout to migrate but it's still, we still wanna recognize the importance of rainbow trout in this preserve and value that species. Um, as always, uh, we do our vegetation assessments to um, inform the, the stakeholder conversation. And so we did a detailed um, vegetation assessment of the project site in 2017 and in 2019 to get a better understanding of if there were any sensitive species in the area, what would be impacted. Um, it should be noted that this project actually doesn't impact much vegetation at all, as most of the project area is on existing roads and trails. Um, so it's really about creating a couple of abutments and placing the bridges on top. Um, we've done um, extensive wildlife work in Cascade Canyon. We have over 20 years of monitoring, monitoring data for the Northern Spotted Owl, um, which gives us information about nesting behavior, where, when, was it successful or not. Um, and in this project area in the last 20, 20 years, we do not have, uh, we have owls in the area, but we don't have um, any nesting success within a quarter mile of the project site. Um, again, the foothill yellow-legged frogs, we continue to monitor them every year and um, get a better understanding of their breeding habitat and, and try and enhance and protect that breeding habitat. Um, we've done work with the bats through one TAM and um, additionally, we've also done an independent assessment of uh, bat species distribution and density in the project area to give us a better understanding of what was what bats live in the area. And so all this data informs our stakeholder conversations. And so, you know, working with the environmental roundtable um, for this project, I think for three years now, um, as well as other groups, um, we develop themes. And so the, these themes are remove recreation from the creek, reduce erosion and sedimentation into the creek, provide year round safe visitor access for all trail users. And then I have IAP. So we have um, an inclusive access plan, which was a document that was approved by the county in I think 2015. 
And so that compels us to look at all new projects with, through the lens of inclusive access. This project actually fits into that perfectly. So we're able to um, plan and envision this project to be completely compliant with the inclusive access plan. And what that means is if you had, um, you know, somebody visiting you that was in a wheelchair or somebody that wanted to use a stroller, um, that would, this trail system would be compliant with that, it would be accessible. Um, we uh, obviously we're, we're looking to enhance the habitat protection for sensitive wildlife species. And as I mentioned, decommission that high water trail that's highly erosive. And so just to walk through some of the components of the project with you. Um, so th this is the end of Cascade Drive, the pavement here and the communities over here. And so if you come in the preserve, this is bridge one, you, you would meet it almost right away. And so instead of going over the high water trail, we would direct visitors this way. And then you get onto this canyon trail and this yellow segment of the canyon trail is the segment that part of this project would be um, proposed for a change in use to in include bicycles. Currently, this is for hiking and equestrian and this yellow segment would be um, multi-use. And if you keep going along, you connect back up to Cascade Fire Road here. And then again, instead of crossing the creek again, you'd go over bridge two. And then once you're over bridge two, then you can get into the interior of the preserve um, safely. And so the components are the bridges, decommissioning the high water trail, the canyon trail, and the small little spur trail would also be decommissioned. <clears throat> and then, so just to share some photos of these components, um, this is the high water trail. Um, here it is here. This is San Anselmo Creek right here. And you see the trail, it just hugs along the edge of the creek. And, you know, this is used in the winter months when it's wet erosive, slippery, um, it's not the safest trail. Um, it's, it's certainly not accessible for all user groups. So that's um, it, amongst depositing sediment into the creek, which we wanna you know, avoid that. This is the site location for bridge one. And there's a simulation for with the bridge. So again, right now visitors come, come this way uh, we would discourage that by installing a split rail fence right here and an access ramp that would kind of just naturally guide them to the bridge so they wouldn't want to come this way. Um, the bridge, the fence would have removable rails in the event that emergency needed, required emergency vehicles, uh, they would still have access to this road, but it's not something that would be like we are not going to, we're going to encourage our ranger staff and folks to not drive this direction. As it is now, um, when it's wet, we don't drive through, but year round, we would want to avoid that and really just um, use the, the trail bridges. I, I would note, these are not vehicle bridges. They're just for uh, recreational purposes. And then again, once you cross bridge one, you get onto the Canyon Trail. So this is the segment of trail that we would propose for a change in use. Um, it would involve minor realignments. It has good sight lines as, as it is, but we would might have a minor realignment to uh, the way it connects to the bridge and um, would include 
some strategically placed logs or boulders to act as chicanes um, to be kind of a speed control feature to slow speeds down. And then um, if you come up that trail, then you connect onto this road here. And this is the site for bridge two. And so again, there'd be another ramp bringing people on this way and a ramp bringing people out the other way. And so these would be uh, Cortan steel, kind of a rusted look. Um, you know, I think a six foot wide uh, width for recreational purposes. And again, this would have split rail fencing to discourage people from going through the creek. Um, if this proposed project is approved, we would plan to work with our partners at MMWD to use um, old redwood planks from old Marin water tanks, which uh, when they get decommissioned, MMWD stores it. We would love to use this, uh, repurpose these planks for the decking, for some of the decking on the bridges. Um, I think that would be a perfect use for that material. And so the next steps for this, um, we are looking to publish the CEQA document for public review and comments uh, mid-February, so coming up. And then again, to coincide with that public comment period, we would have a March 4th community Zoom meeting to provide this presentation probably with even a little more detail and have some more Q&A and, um, and then take go from there. That is my presentation. Do you have questions? Uh, you're muted, Roger. We have two hands raised. I will let Linda speak first. Linda, you are now committed to speak. Hi, thank, thank you, John. Um, well, I live 12 houses away from the entrance to the preserve and have for 40 years, so I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, one thing that, a couple points. One is um, there is an impact of increasing visitation in this preserve on both the Cascade Road and the Canyon Road neighborhoods. Our roads are very narrow. We hardly have any parking spaces and we have a tremendous amount of visitation, especially bumped up the last year through COVID. Um, one respite has been uh, when there's water in the creek, which there isn't now, um, less, less traffic um, because some people are off put, yes, by you know, going on the high water trail. So I think a neighborhood concern is just the impact of all the traffic on our neighborhoods through making this a 365 day a year available um, trail system. We also, um, I also would say that making this um, inclusive access uh, pro pro uh, provided for that, um, it, it's, it's actually uh, can be very dangerous hiking in the preserve because of the speeding mountain bikes who are riding on hiking and equestrian trails uh, and hiking only trails. And they're riding illegally on many, many trails that come down from MMWD. And that really needs 
to be stopped and get a handle on that by closing some of these trails and working with the MMWD and more enforcement at a time when there's not gonna be any enforcement for six months. Um, and so I think those are some concerns that have to be taken, taken into consideration. We look forward to commenting on your plan. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you, Linda. Al Bauman comes next, followed by Terry Thomas. Al, you are now allowed to speak. Let me unmute here. There, can you hear me now? Yes, okay, thank you. Um, I'll try, try to keep this to the point of the topic for today. Um, I didn't hear a call for, um, uh, for public comment on Rush Creek. Can you go back to the map and let me make a comment on that, John? Can you hear me, John? I can hear you. Roger, is that something we're going to do? or? Yeah, I'm going to defer to Max on that because it's, it's kind of a staff issue. There was an open time for comments for that, Al, but if you, I mean, why don't you just go ahead and, and make your comment? I, I don't know that we, we can bring the, the okay. presentation back up, but if you want to just comment right. on both of them at the same time. I, I will. Um, one of the things I don't like to see about the Rush Creek plan is the loss of the equestrian trail that comes off more to the northwest of the uh, Horsemen's Association there and leads over to the Rush Creek Trail. It makes a really nice loop for them. And uh, now that you must have gotten an easement through the private property, they have that would legalize the, the link that's near what you're proposing right now. So uh, I'd like to see if that trail, it, it is a social trail, could be made more sustainable to give them a loop. And as far as bicycling is concerned, we're, um, we're losing some old ranch trails that made a second route from the Ridge Trail, uh, the Ridge Fire Road up there down to um, the, I think it's called the Bahia Trail on the north side. And I'd love to see one of those um, at least uh, converted to a sustainable trail, perhaps a bike only or bike hike, um, so that we would have a loop that would allow us to go um, up and down uh, from the ridge line. And it would be nice if uh, everybody had a little bit of privacy and a little bit of, uh, of um, unshared trail where we could all relax. Thank you. John, do you want to comment on that? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, there is uh, the plan, the Rush Creek proposed plan does include um, a multi-use connection from the Bahia Trail to the, the Ridge Road. Um, we don't, we're not planning a bike only or even a hike bike connection because equestrian use is so prevalent out there. So we, it's a shared trail. Um, in regards to the first comment, I, th I think I know the trail you're talking about. That social trail goes through a wetland, um, you know, and a big component of what we're trying to do is reduce environmental impacts. Um, so putting a trail through a wetland is, is not something that would be preferable. Furthermore, it's actually not even entirely on our property. Um, so we don't have rights to go through, I think it's the cemetery property. Um, so we we would choose not to do that. The equestrian, I would add finally, the equestrian community is really excited about this project um, because they've never had any legal designated connection to the preserve. Um, I've talked to them extensively about it. They express no concern about that social trail. In fact, they've been helping me try and close it. Um, so 
I think this accommodates what they're looking for pretty well. Okay, thank you. Al, do you want to go back to the um, current item, the Cascade Canyon? The next speaker is Terry Thomas. Terry, you are now allowed to speak. Thank you, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak today. John, great presentation. I've been out to that area a couple times, but I've never really gotten, had that particular overview, um, and it was very much appreciated. I guess I had just assumed that when you were replacing the bridges, you would restore the road that goes through the creek, and that you all are still gonna be using that road for vehicles when it is endangered species habitat is concerning. I have also been, it's also been identified to me from the people in the area that the entrance to Cascade Canyon is really used as a parking lot and staging area for an awful lot of vehicles. So I would, I would, I guess my just assumption was that you were gonna fix the road, restore the road and pull everything back from the creek to allow riparian to, to come back and to let um, the endangered species habitats flourish more and find another area for cars um, and for staging uh, maintenance and goats and things like that. It doesn't seem possible. And then with, um, with Linda's comment about there not being any parking in the area, I just was wondering what, what your plans were for that. Okay, um, is there any other public comment on this? Um, There's one more from Rick. Okay. I also believe we have an email that Chris sent out. Okay. Right, we, and we should acknowledge that we did get one comment by email. Our protocol there is that we actually don't read that uh, co co comment, but the email is sent out to all the commissioners and to the staff. And we take that, that comment seriously, but our our protocol is, is is not to read it, and and that's following the protocol that the the board of supervisors is doing now during this um, social distancing. Yeah, so it's part part of the record. Um, let me look and see if we have any more hands up. Rick Freitas, please. Yes, uh, I apologize. I missed the first part of the meeting regarding Rush Creek. Is the comment period, uh, John, still open for that trail? The Rush Creek Trail? I, I, I would say that we just did, uh, allowed Al Bowman to comment. So Rick, please go ahead. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. John, uh, is the comment period on the Rush Creek Trail still oh, open? Yes, yes. That yes. answers my question. Thank you very much. I don't think it's officially started yet, right, John? Oh, oh, so uh, I thought even for this meeting. No, we no. haven't released the document yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That Thank comment you. period. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Rick, um, we are hoping to release that public document in early spring. Oh. I don't have an exact date for you at this point, but um, I'll be sure to reach out to you and let you know. Thank you very much. Yep. Okay. Um, any, any more public comment on Cascade? I don't see any more public comments. Okay, thank you. Then let, let's turn that over to the commissioners. Any commissioner comment? Do, um, do you want me to answer Terry's? Oh, yeah, please do, I'm sorry. So um, Terry, thanks for your questions. You know, when this process started again, it was before I was part of the district. The district had 
had initial discussions with the town of Fairfax and this, this idea, and it was to look at a vehicle bridge actually. And that was, um, that idea was not welcome um, to have a vehicle bridge. So it was reduced down to a recreational bridge. So that's, that's why that happened. Um, and then you're, you're up, the other statement about uh, using the roads in the winter, we wouldn't. Um, so we would not, we, didn't, we currently do not drive across San Anselmo Creek when it's wet. Um, we would continue to not do that. Um, so that, that wouldn't change. Um, what I did say was in, in the event that there's an emergency, um, then there would be removable rails on the fence and emergency vehicles would have that opportunity to drive up, but that's only an emergency. Um, and I think the last um, comment you made was about the staging area and the parking when you, when you enter into the preserve. And, you know, I mean, that's what's great about this process is that has, that comment has recently started coming up. Um, I think Linda mentioned it to me. Um, and that's something that we might want to look at. Is there a way that we can reduce that, that kind of uh, use as because the end of Cascade Drive has such limited parking, if there's biologists or staff that are going to the preserve there and with COVID, everybody's driving their own vehicles. There can be a lot of cars and they, and they would pull into the preserve. And so that's something that we are going to look at is like, is there ways we can reduce that disturbance when uh, inside the preserve, that staging and parking. So thanks for that. Okay, thank you. Um, now we can open it up to commissioner comments. Any commission commissioners wish to comment on Cascade? Uh, commissioner Grateful, please. Um, I wanted to follow up on what you just said, John. Um, I was at Bucks Gulch a couple of weeks ago, and, and you know, given the pandemic, <clears throat> um, and given that that stretch of land is relatively flat and easily accessible. Um, there were tons of people at the end of Fairway Drive. I mean, just tons. Yep. Um, and the only way it even worked was that there was, you know, as you know, there's a roundabout. So, so people could, you know, drop people off and then go back and park along Fairway. Um, uh, I know Cascade Drive pretty well. I don't think that same ability exists, capability exists on Cascade Drive. But um, I, I don't, uh, given the way the pandemic's going, <clears throat> I don't know that, that um, you know, there's much of a good option here. You can't, you know, unless, you, unless you're willing to do what Muir Woods did and restrict people, you know, restrict capacity, there's not a heck of a lot you're going to be able to do. Just my own thought. Um, my other question is, um, there was a comment about e-bikes. Is it, and I didn't quite understand, uh, are e-bikes going to be allowed in this Cascade Preserve? No. So, no I'll go ahead, Max. Okay. So, so I'm not. I'm again. I'm not familiar with the topography there. Does this this preserve abuts the Marin uh, Water District watershed lands? Right. Yes. Okay. And and they're allowing e-bikes. They have not made a decision to allow e-bikes. Oh, I thought they have not yet. I think they were. There was an item that came to their board to consider allowing e-bikes in certain uh -huh. areas, and their board decided uh, not to take any action on that item at this time. 
So okay. that, that, yeah, we're, we're following that closely, but. Um, well, I mean, the only reason I bring it up, Max, is because if they start to allow it, you can't, you can't then come to, you know, county open space, the demarking line and say, well, from here on out, you can't use your bike. So if, if they're going to proceed with e-bikes on MMWD land, it can't be in this area. And, and they just, they need to know that it cannot be in this area. Yeah. It, you know, it's, I think as staff, we're working closely with our partner agencies as they consider different alternatives around e-bikes. Of course, for each agency, it's the decision of their board on whether to change their code to allow them or not. But, um, on their own land, but I think as staff, we're trying to um, share information and try to create as fluid a user experience as possible. And, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, help each other out. But I think I appreciate that comment, um, Commissioner Rafel. And um, yeah, you had a previous, and I'm forgetting, you had a previous uh, question, oh, about turning around. And I think, you know, one of the things that's unique about our preserves um, you know, we have, I can't remember what the total number of trailheads are, but none of them, they all only have the street parking, you know, uh, usually in neighborhoods adjacent to the preserve. We don't have like parking lots with trailheads for, I don't think for any of our preserves. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, um, it's something unique, you know, when we did our visitor study a few years ago, we found that our typical visitor, somebody who lives within a mile of the preserve and, and you know, visits really regularly, but, um, and, you know, of course this project's not likely to happen anytime uh, until uh, after um, the COVID pandemic's probably over if it's approved. It's, it's not something that's likely to happen super soon. There's still a lot of steps even after CEQA if, if the project's approved, but, um, uh, but I think it's it's something really to consider going into the future. You know, that's sort of how our system is set up. But it's worth considering if there should be alternatives. Thank you. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Commissioner Stomp, I think had. Oh, I see a hand. Yes, Mary, can you? Um... Let's see if you can hear me now. Yes, hear yes. fine. Oh, Thank you. I take fifteen people and a microphone and. <laughs> I just want to say it was a great presentation. Thank you very much. And I'm glad I can participate by audio now. So thank you. Is that it? I think it is it. I, I think we finished that item so we can go on to the next. And you know, I, I never did answer Linda's first question about traffic and visitor intensity. And I just would say so that- Let's go back to that. I would just say that, um, you know, similar to what Max stated, but also this, just to be clear, this project does not create any new trailheads. It does not create a new connection. It doesn't change circulation patterns. The, the primary goal is to get people off the unsafe trail, the high water trail, get people out of the creek and onto the bridge. So it's not as if we're creating a new connection. So we don't have a, a reason to believe that this would actually create um, any additional traffic or visitor intensity. I mean, obviously all of our preserves right now are, are well used and well loved. They all are because of the pandemic, but we don't have any reason to believe this would change that. 
Any? Okay, then let's go, let's go on to the next item, which is the the uh, 2021 vegetation management program update and um, Director Corden, do you want to introduce that to us, please? Yeah, I'll give a quick, quick introduction. And um, this is a process that we started several years ago um, after our, our board uh, accepted our vegetation biodiversity management plan. And part of um, when the, what we described with our board at that time was that your commission would play an important role in um, providing transparency and a forum for engagement uh, in the sort of more detailed manner with our vegetation management plan. And obviously with the fires in the last several years, vegetation management is really at the forefront of what we do. It's extremely important to our community and, and the work in our preserves. And so um, Sarah Minnick, who's our fire ecologist is gonna speak to this um, today and give you a presentation of what our proposed uh, sort of work plan is for the, the upcoming year. Um, and also a look at, at what we've been doing. Um, uh, but I just wanna start by uh, appreciating the important role that your commission has uh, in this process and providing transparency um, around this work. And also just to note, I have to jump off and, and be on another quick call and I'll likely be back on, but if there's any sort of more general questions about our work, Chris, uh, we'll stay on to answer those. Thanks. Great, thanks, Max. Um, yeah, I'm the or good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, I'm Sarah Minnick. I'm the vegetation and fire ecologist. Um, and um, let me just get my presentation up here. Um, as Max said, yeah, I'm here to talk to you all today about um, vegetation management uh, in the coming year. And um, I was here uh, speaking with you a few months ago about the work that we've been doing. Um, so I think a lot of this will be familiar because we do work, um, we are very committed to our work and we do work uh, across many years. And so, um, so a lot of these topics are the same from year to year as we are continuing to focus on those important aspects. Um, I just wanna make sure, um, is everybody seeing my, my first slide about our guiding documents, hopefully? <laughs> um, if, if people are not seeing that, hopefully somebody can let me know. Um, so in the work that we do, um, we are um, always being informed by um, these larger overarching documents. Um, one of which is the Community Wildfire Protection Plan, which was recently updated um, just this year, this last year. And so the, the Community Wildfire Protection Plan focuses on the entire community, not, not simply the open space. Um, it's about public outreach uh, throughout our county, um, the, the issues of structural ignitability of the homes and the, and the buildings um, in the landscape, um, as well as managing our vegetation in those defensible spaces near people's homes um, and making sure that we have clear, safe evacuation routes planned out um, so that people can leave if they need to and alert systems to um, make sure that communication is there. 
And then uh, the other thing that that community wildfire protection plan does really well is it brings together a lot of different um, groups that all get to play a role um, in this effort to make our community more safe during uh, a wildfire. So all of the local and county fire service agencies participate in um, in creating this, this plan and updating it, and as well as Fire Safe Marin, which plays a, a big role in the communications um, with community members, and then local FireWise community groups and, and all of the public management agencies are part of this process. And then uh, what we as the Open Space District bring into that process is uh, also our vegetation and biodiversity management plan and the guidance um, that we get from that plan as far as how to manage fuels in our open space, um, as well as doing invasive species control, uh, forest health management, and native habitat restoration. Um, those are all aspects covered in our own um, vegetation management plan. And then we bring those, those two kind of overarching documents together to find as many places where we can um, do projects that have multiple benefits or do them in a way that, that the actions will benefit um, both fire, uh, wildfire preparedness goals and our, um, some of our other goals for the open space, such as habitat restoration or invasive species control. And um, the place where these, where these two plans really overlap very well is at that urban interface, the wildland urban interface, where we have homes mixing with wildlands. Um, and we have in the county, we have about 70,000 homes in, in those types of areas. Um, the homes near our open space preserves is probably only a few thousand, maybe three, three or 4,000 homes um, near our open spaces that we manage. But those are some of the, the most important places for us to work. And um, they're also often um, disturbed already because of the adjacency with the community. Um, and so there are places where we have weed management problems and uh, sometimes those are the things that are creating an, an increased fuel situation that we can manage. And so um, just to give uh, a reminder to folks or anybody who hasn't seen this um, map, um, just showing the wildland urban interface in orange across our entire county, and that's about 60,000 acres. Um, so those are those priority areas where we have wildlands and um, communities, uh, homes mixing together. And then the areas in red show where those those um, wildland urban interface areas overlap onto our preserves, which are the green, the green areas. So um, the red area is also our preserve and it's the portion of our preserves that have, um, that are in the wildland urban interface. So these are the areas we are really targeting for um, fuels management projects and vegetation management projects. And so as we look at this um, new updated version of the Community Wildfire Protection Plan, um, it's really gonna be a guiding, um, a guiding force in the work that we're doing in the coming years, um, particularly this year. Um, and so there's a new list of uh, priority projects as that's part of this document. 
Um, and some of those are projects that we contributed, um, that staff uh, within the open space have contributed, and that includes um, a variety of different types of projects, which I'll go into, but um, also in that list are projects that are proposed by uh, other partners um, in the county, such as fire service agencies, where the work might um, need to happen on open space land or across various different um, land management agencies or owners. And so those would be partnerships between us and those fire service agencies to implement the projects. And so what we're doing right now is working with those groups to help um, plan and define those projects and guide those projects um, together as partners. And the other thing about the list of priority projects in, in the wildfire protection plan is that it has both uh, work that we are doing, that we have been doing, that's really important to be maintaining throughout the years. And then it also has um, new projects that are things that we would, we would love to do um, and hopefully um, we'll start implementing as we go forward. So it, it's both the maintenance reoccurring work and projects that need more planning or funding before they will get implemented. So everything in this plan will not be happening uh, this year, but it's a, it's a good place to start as far as priorities for where we'll be um, hoping to do new projects. And so the um, different types of projects that are represented in that plan um, for the open space projects that we contributed um, we have um, a number of defensible space projects. So those are within that 100 feet of uh, homes that are in the wildland urban interface. And the work is primarily pruning lower limbs off of trees. So lifting, um, lifting the, the canopy up so that there isn't um, ladder fuels connecting uh, the ground vegetation up into the tree canopy. Um, so pruning and then thinning brush out of those areas. So creating the horizontal and vertical spacing that is recommended by um, CAL FIRE across the state within that 100 foot defensible space zone. And um, the other, another type of project that is also represented is, um, are these fuel break projects and fire road clearance projects, which are farther afield than that 100 foot defensible space. And so these are areas that um, we work to maintain a reduced fuel situation um, within a wider area, usually starting at the homes and, and extending to up to something like a fire road to another, um, another uh, point of reference, like a fire road. So the whole area is, is our project area and um, our main target in those areas is reducing in, like an invaded understory that has a lot of dense broom. And those areas um, are places where we've been working for many years, I think going on 10 years um, in our existing wide area fuel breaks. And so we're just continuously working to maintain um, the area free from broom and free from a dense brushy understory so that it's a safer situation during a, a wildfire. And then also some of those roadside projects where we're working to make sure that roads are pruned um, and uh, fire apparatus vehicles can, can use those roads safely if there is a wildfire, if they need to respond. 
Um, and so making sure in some places that the, the grassy shoulders of the road are mowed and that there um, aren't dense invasive species overhanging the road. And then um, we also have grazing projects as part of the wildfire protection plan and some, uh, some fire road projects um, that are not necessarily vegetation management, but they're working, making sure the surfaces of our fire roads are as I said, safe and accessible for emergency vehicles. And so those are an important part of this plan, even though they aren't uh, vegetation management specifically. And then I, I wanted to talk a little bit about how conservation um, plays a role in, in that work that we do. Um, the, many of those projects or all of these projects that I've been talking about are uh, focused on fuels management and wildfire preparedness, but we do them um, with this lens of conservation um, in the open space areas. And so we are doing biological surveys in advance of all those projects and um, really incorporating all of the information that we have about all of our sensitive species and taking actions to um, avoid impacts from that work. And just for example, in this last year, I think we did uh, almost 200 different surveys for um, wildlife species associated with these projects. And another way that conservation uh, plays a role um, is, is that we often are really trying to target areas where we can do weed management um, and have a fuels uh, benefit, um, a fuel reduction benefit from that work. And so some of the projects um, that I wanted to call out from that wildfire protection plan are the, as I said, the wide area fuel breaks, which are in the Mill Valley area um, in a number of our preserves down in that region. Um, those are projects that were started, as I said, some of them 10 years ago. They focus on removing broom, sometimes dead trees, um, either from sudden oak death or um, pine bark beetles is something we're seeing um, an increased issue with. And so, those are things that we would remove from those areas. Um, and that maintaining that low broom condition um, throughout those areas is, is um, an important part of the follow-up work. It has to happen for decades, <laughs> and, but it's a, it's a real win for um, the habitat and the conservation side of things. And we have a similar situation up uh, on the Corte Madera Ridge fuel break um, in Blytheville Summit, which is along a road um, where the, again, the focus is removing broom to keep that road um, safer for use during a wildfire emergency. But it also, um, the road travels through a diverse area of chaparral where broom was starting to invade. And so we're able to get into those areas and remove broom and, and help um, preserve that habitat as part of the fuel reduction project. And then at King Mountain, um, we have another uh, fuel break area with um, a very dense stand of acacia. And um, it just creates a forest with, with not a lot of biological diversity uh, in that habitat. And so, again, this is an invasive species that is a fuels management problem. And we're able to um, improve that habitat by targeting the acacia as a, as a fuel issue across 20 acres, which is um, pretty significant. And then um, 
as we're doing all of those projects, we're also making sure to the best of our ability that um, weed, new weeds are not being introduced as part of the work. Um, these weeds come into our preserves um, from all directions uh, all of the time and, and projects are one way in which that might happen, but also um, just visitors and our own staff moving through these areas can bring in uh, new weed problems. And so we have a, a, an early detection crew that focuses on that aspect. Um, last year, they found 269 new occurrences of invasive plants um, and were able to um, remove 52 different species uh, that were just starting out in, that, in their location. And so looking forward this year, we will have that crew out on the land again. They're gonna be really focused on recent project areas. And so one example that um, many people may know of is the Ponte Fire Road project, which is just completed. And so those, any areas that were disturbed um, are, are kind of um, more likely for invasion, new invasions to happen. And so those will be on the, um, plan for this early detection um, survey crew. And then they'll also be, um, they kind of have a, a rotation cycle where they hit uh, a portion of our preserves each year. And within three years, they've made it around to all of our lands and then they start over again. And so every preserve should get thoroughly checked um, at least once every few years. So, um, this year, the focus will be on uh, Blytheville, Summit, Cascade Canyon, Gary Giacomini, and White Hill areas. And so they'll cover all the roads and trails, all of the disturbed um, edges, borders of the preserves, and any sensitive areas where we're really, uh, we're really focused. And uh, we feel like it's really important to make sure that any sensitive habitats are being checked to make sure weeds aren't, aren't getting into those areas. And then finally, um, another way that we bring the conservation side of things into all of our projects, including those fuels management projects, is through our partnership with OneTAM. Um, one of the projects that, we've, that we're working on um, is the countywide LIDAR and vegetation map. Um, and so we already have, we're kind of halfway through that project with OneTAM, and we already have some um, products coming out of that that have been useful when um, the community wildfire protection plan was being updated they were able to incorporate new data from the vegetation map to create uh, an improved um, updated fuel model so a, a lot of aspects that have come out of that work the ladder fuels canopy height um, those types of information are really important in, in creating a good fuel model for fire professionals to use and then um, we also get out of, of this vegetation map project um, really detailed information about our vegetation communities, ones that um, are unique that, that may need additional protection, um, and also information like just what, what is the slope of the ground throughout our preserves. And um, as you can see on the, in the image here, um, we can create maps that show where the steepest areas in our preserves are and, and we can adjust our management to um, maybe use certain types of tools and not others in those areas because of um, the, just the physical features that we, um, can, we can now really see very easily as um, a result of this new updated vegetation map data. 
And another like the final project that we're working on um, with One Tam is uh, the Forest Health Initiative. And so um, we're really working with all of the land management agencies to, um, with the goal of creating um, and maintaining the most resilient and healthy forest, forests in, um, in all of our lands, across all of our lands and across the county. And so that project will um, create definitions and goals and um, measure, measures, metrics to measure um, those aspects and treat, potential treatment methods or best management practices and also incorporating indigenous knowledge um, into our work so that, as I said, we can be um, pursuing actions that um, support healthy forests on our lands. And that is, um, is all I have for today. I know in the past um, we've had um, a, a, a separate project list that um, I know I mentioned the one in the Community Wildfire Protection Plan. Um, and that is the list that we're focusing on as our priority for now. Um, and we're also working towards getting our work into um, a web interface so that um, the public and the commission and anybody who wants to know about what projects we have been working on the past and, and which ones are kind of coming online, that information will um, hopefully be available in a web interface for everyone to access. So that is our goal for this year. Thank you very much, Sarah. That was an incredibly comprehensive and excellent presentation. I see we have public comment from Larry Minikis, Larry, um, and then Linda Novi. Larry, you are now permitted to speak. Well, good afternoon. Thank you, Sarah, for that um, excellent presentation. Um, I'm not sure how many of you are aware, but I'm sitting on the Citizens Oversight Committee as the environmental representative for the MWPA, and I'm the chair at this point in the startup phase. <clears throat> so I have a lot of interest in what's going on here, of course. And I'm not speaking on behalf of that, but it's all connected, the work you're doing, the work they're doing. And I noticed that there's no mention of prescribed fire for um, fire-dependent ecosystems, which makes sense for Marin County Parks because it's really a Marin County fire um, uh, operation if there was to be one, but it, there's, as you know, a lot more interest now, again, in bringing back prescribed fire and something that should be considered. <clears throat> also, um, UC Berkeley just did a clear cut on Upper Claremont, a hundred feet on each side, not a sh uh, shaded fuel breaks, but literally clear cut of hundreds and hundreds of trees. And I have the EIR, I've got the note, I've got all the notices from them and I have the articles. And if you like, I can send that to you because we at the um, Environmentally Sounds Practices ESP, we're, we're really looking into this. We wanna understand um, the how and why of the way they went about this. <clears throat> and um, we're seeing shortcomings that we're trying to address on behalf of the MWPA. The ESP is really, what we're doing at ESP is coming up with best practices um, for recommendations for the MWPA. So um, we're, we're kind of a partnership. And the third uh, item I want to bring up, which is the um, CWPP, 
And <clears throat> I noticed something a while back in it, which I've raised now, and I want to raise it with you, which is that Marin County really does not have an integrated post-fire recovery or mitigation plan. So when we have a fire, and, and I, I think a lot of us agree, it's just a matter of when, not if, um, there needs to be some sort of plan in place um, as for recovery. I mean, we need, we need a nursery, we need a native plant nursery so that we can respond quickly. We, we have to be aware that a major fire, particularly in um, the built environment, can release a lot of toxins if that's not dealt with before the rains that will go into our bay, which could cost us billions and billions of dollars in cleanup. So thinking about this is just about as important as it is our vegetation management plan. And um, I think I've probably taken up most of my three minutes. So with that, I wanna thank you very much. Thank you, Larry and Linda Novi, please. Linda, you're now permitted to speak. Okay, um, let me get rid of this. Thank you, Sarah, thank you. you. You've got a lot to cover and I was really delighted to hear that um, you're going to do a survey in Giacomini and also in Cascade Canyon in 2021 of um, vegetation. So I think that's excellent. Um, Sarah, Sarah and I have been in touch vis-a-vis -vis emails um, uh, regarding a presentation that was brought up to Marine Conservation League last week, just about some of the vegetation management in the Cascade Preserve. Um, and there is a need for maybe a second look at goat grazing, which is considered a very effective and efficient method for um, managing fuels. But if it's continued over time in the same area, and if you include the, the staging impacts of the goats clambering up particular hill, et cetera, um, it can reduce the vegetation cover on in areas that could be subject to erosion and that could actually lead to a, a type conversion. And there is a case in point in the Cascade Preserve, sorry, I keep bringing this up at this meeting today, but um, it's, it's quite significant how um, the vegetation on a particular slope has been diminished. Also um, at the MCL presentation, I noted the uh, Conservation Corps North Bay pruning uh, or brushing, I guess is what MCP calls it, of fire roads and trails has seemed to have been um, a little bit overzealous and perhaps not considering some of the special species plants, such as madrone saplings, uh, et cetera, that, that were cut down uh, and widening footpaths that has significantly changed the character of the footpath uh, and seems a bit unnecessary. Certainly understand for the sake of efficiency, you have to get to trails and I guess hit them hard <laughs> so you don't have to go back every year. But we, we are concerned that this excessive treatment uh, and pruning along a, a creek bank too, removing um, blackberry plants along there, you know, I think it just needs more oversight. And I wanna just compliment Sarah and say that she's been 
very cooperative and we will be continuing to um, talk about some of these things over the next year. So wanted to bring that to your attention. And if the commission would like a PDF copy of the PowerPoint, I'd be happy. I will forward that to your secretary. So you'll have it. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Any other public comment? I, I don't see any hands up. Um, so Sarah, do, do you want to comment or respond? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, to Larry Minicky's comments, um, yeah, thank you for bringing up prescribed fire. I think that is, um, it's definitely a tool that we want to have, you know, as part of all of our options. Um, and, and it is something that, um, that I think we, you know, in the coming years can be working with our local fire departments and, and using those partnerships. Um, yeah, for that kind of uh, um, combined um, multiple benefits project where we're doing um, habitat restoration and fuels management at the same time. So um, that's, a, that's a great idea. And I know there are a lot of other partnerships forming around that idea. And so we're, we're just trying to stay um, uh, incorporated into those um, those communications and, and, you know, be, be aware of other partnerships that are forming and be part of those um, so that we have those opportunities open to us as well in the future. Um, and, um, and regarding the post-fire recovery plan, I, you know, that is another aspect that we think is really important and something that, um, you know, that with our, with our one-time partners, having all those different land management agencies to work together, I, I feel like, you know, we will be, we will have that, those resources to um, pull together if, you know, as you said, if or when that happens. Um, but really creating a plan in advance is, is very helpful. And that's something we have heard from other agencies who've been through wildfires, um, that the, the more planning you can do in advance, the better. So that is something that we want to be pursuing um, and in conjunction with those other land management partners because um, undoubtedly that fire will will not um, respect the boundaries between our lands either. So that is something we'll do together with those those groups. And Sarah, if I, if I could just jump in briefly um, right now as we're watching, as we just had the Woodward fire and it was just within the last couple of weeks officially finally designated as being extinguished, um, the restoration has already begun out there and through the one TAM partnership and our relationship with the folks out at the seashore, um, we absolutely are watching their restoration effort in order to learn from. And, um, you know, they've got some, the, the uh, Park Service has a great uh, uh, plan in place to help as a reference point. So, yeah, I, I think, Larry, you bring up some excellent points and, and we certainly have our eyes on that. And certainly something for us to, to keep on our, our to-do list. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, and then um, thank you, Linda, for your comments. Um, as as uh, Linda said, we've been in communication and um, we really appreciate all of those um, different aspects that have been observed out at Cascade Canyon um, recently regarding vegetation management. And so, um, we will be talking with that environmental roundtable group that John mentioned earlier, um, so we can we can uh, touch on those all those different aspects as part of our conversations in that group to make sure that we're addressing any any concerns. Um, and I did want to clarify that um, 
the grazing that has happened the last two years at Cascade Canyon is not being planned for this year. So um, that is an area that we looked at and decided that we, we don't want to graze um, this coming year in that same area. So um, if anybody was particularly concerned about that, it's, it's, not, um, it's not within the plan for the coming year. Good. I think that's um, finished with public comments. I don't hear or see any more public comments, but let's go to the commission and Pat. Uh, why don't you kick that off? Pat? Yes, uh, just I, I had a chance, and I mentioned this in a previous uh, commission meeting, I had a chance to observe the uh, grazing, and I just uh, my uh, view was that it's very well managed, that it's in confined areas for specific periods of time, and the goats are moved. Um, so Linda's correct, if you, uh, Linda Lovely is correct, if you keep the goats in one area for an extended period of time, they'll do damage to the root base of uh, native plants uh, in, in the specific area. However, if you do what the, what the um, county's doing, uh, our county park system is doing, is uh, it's very controlled for an area and a specific time, and then they're moved on. And uh, I've looked at it and I've even seen uh, native plant groupings, a bunch of grass come back very nicely. <clears throat> so I, I think it's a very good job. You know, the counter that is not to do it, you have a fire and you really get some real destruction going. So it's, uh, it's not a perfect world, but I think uh, I think this uh, type of vegetation management is uh, necessary for public safety and for um, and for the vegetation itself. Also, um, <clears throat> there has been studies that show that a, a good grazing program will enhance uh, the proliferation of wild wild flowers in the spring. So. Um, because the European grass is so dominant that uh, it, uh, it inhibits uh, uh, na native wildflowers, but with a grazing program, they actually spring up. So it has a, has a positive uh, effect there. Anyway, um, I think staff's doing an excellent job. Any other commission comments? Um, I'll just comment. I agree with Commissioner O'Brien that staff is doing an um, excellent job. But I, I think that we have to understand that grazing is a tool. Is, is my sound working okay? Um, I'm getting a feedback right now. Yeah, we're getting, I think one of the one of the mics is given a little bit of feedback, but we can certainly hear you, Roger. Okay. Um, but uh, a particular issue with, um, there's been a lot of studies using cattle, which um, enhances, uh, sometimes if it is used as a management tool can enhance native composition. Uh, goats, I, I don't think the, the literature uh, supports, supports that notion, but I, I think, you know, this is something that the staff is, is, is working on. And I, I hope that the staff will develop criteria for where use of goats is appropriate um, and where um, other, other methods of fuel reduction is appropriate. Um, any other um, staff comments? 
Excuse me, uh, Commissioner comments. Oh, hearing none, we're just about at the end of our commission meeting. Um, last item is commission reports, reports on what we've been doing uh, on joint initiatives with the commission. Um, and any commissioners uh, care to comment on that? Um, that. So Commissioner O'Brien. Uh, this is just a, this is item 10, correct? Item 10 on commissioner report? That's correct, yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was just following up on the uh, election item. Uh, and uh, if the first, the first election, which I would recommend we really seriously look at, uh, or the uh, Board of Supervisors consider uh, for extending Measure A, um, we are obviously running, going to run out of funds and time uh, that nine-year period. And um, so March is the first uh, time, certainly having a backup for November in case we have problems with March is, mm -hmm. is something to really consider. But that's really a year, you know, you, this is end of January. It's the first Tuesday of March. So just, you know, you can forget March in terms of time period is right away. And so you've got one year and a month plus some days. And that, you know, from the perspective of getting ready to put this on the ballot and getting communication with the public, it's a fairly short timetable. Um, so whatever we can do to continue to our communication program is excellent. We need to continue to, um, I know staff's gonna be short, but whatever we can do to extend uh, uh, that uh, communication program to make it to enhance it even during this period of time be great and uh, getting help from partners for their their, in, their own uh, communication system to you know underline the values of the open space in Marin County and the importance of the sales tax funding because frankly without it we're going to be in in a poor shape it's, it's absolutely an essential component to getting the things done that we're all talking about, all these wonderful plans uh, and the staff support, all that's really dependent on Measure A and its extensions into the future. So uh, I can't emphasize enough the importance of it. Well said. Any other commission, uh, Bruce? Yeah, did I miss something? I thought the next consolidated election is in June of next year. No, it can go on in March. Yeah, but it would be the only thing on the ballot and we'd have to pay for it. I mean, the- yeah. Well, we don't know what else is gonna be on the ballot. And it might, we have to, we have to, we have to find out. We have to find out. We don't know what else is gonna be on the ballot. I, I just, I wouldn't, I, I'd I wouldn't be an advocate for having the, uh, the, the measure A election at the highest possible turnout election. That, that's just me. Um, I, I wanted to add one more thing while I have the microphone. Um, Commissioner Harris, this is your last meeting as, as chair, and I wanted to thank you for the last two years. You've done a very good job. You've held everybody together. And um, I just think we ought to acknowledge uh, the very fine job that you've done over the last couple of years. Thank you. Dennis? Uh, yeah, a comment. Uh, I want to come back to what Pat was just talking about. <clears throat> In years past, being able to get some advance notice and pulling together a team. I know that the county cannot participate 
in any sort of campaign for Measure A. But we've done it in the past with a lot of different private nonprofits. And the organization sort of helped us understand how to put that committee together. And I don't know who in the county, uh, whether we get take direction from the county administrator, but we need to be able to start looking at a marketing campaign as soon as possible. You know, because I agree, it's gonna be sneaking up on us even if it's June. It's gonna be coming really fast and we're, we're so dependent upon Measure A being renewed. That's gonna be critical. Uh, separate from that, I wanted to thank the commission for the vote of confidence. This is gonna be a tough year, especially with the pandemic, uh, the budget difficulties, Measure A, uh, really appreciate that. And I, and I wanna second what Bruce just said. Roger, you've done an excellent job the last two years. And I really appreciate uh, the leadership that you have shown in that capacity. And then one last, and one last statement is we're now starting to put together the group that does the, the grants, the community grants through Measure A. We're looking to, to start um, assessing and, and recommending to back to the commission uh, which agencies that we might wanna consider funding we're just now organizing that right now. And we got a very limited amount, maybe 100,000 uh, in grant money right now. But if any of the commission have idea about some nonprofits that haven't been involved in that before, you know, you could pass that information on to either myself or Mary or Oscar. Uh, we're the three commissioners. Uh, they're working with Kevin Wright with regard to that. Thank you. Thank you. Pat, it sounds like you had another comment. Yes, I just wanted to clarify. I was talk. I wasn't talking about a campaign. That's a separate item. I was talking about the education program that the county can do, and so I was just emphasizing the importance of basically edu continuing to educate the public about the importance of open space through our existing channels, and either and through our partnerships like through One Cam, and whether whenever the election is decided, that's up to the Board of Supervisors, uh, we'll just need some obvious advanced planning to, um, to get that communication out there because it's a critical point in time. That's all I'm trying to say. Good point. Any other commissioners? If not, thank you very much for attending. We went a few minutes over, but had some important material to go over. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, good evening. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Roger. Everybody stay safe. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Get your hair fixed. <laughs> It'll be the same next time.